most of you, I recently read through the Genesis account of the creation of the world. I saw those first six days in which God created a paradise that we can't even comprehend, something that we will have to wait until we get to heaven to see recreated. It was a place where man had a perfect relationship with his world. Man had a perfect relationship with each other, Adam and Eve. Man had a perfect relationship with God. If you will, there was a perfect peace that crowned everything. There was no strife. There was no war. There was never a crossword. There was never disagreement. There was never a disappointment. Adam and Eve did not sit in stress and worry about anything. I sometimes look at my grandchildren and I listen to them. I, I observe them as they are at play. And the truth is, uh, the, the ones that live with me, they don't go to bed at night stressing about, am I going to have breakfast in the morning? Are we going to be able to pay the bills? Uh, there's, there's really no worries in their life. And uh, sadly, as uh, they grow older, as the Lord tarries, they will, they will learn what worry means. But right now, it's not there. You realize that in, in God's creation, that was the plan. And that was what God put in motion. And then sin entered the picture. And Adam and Eve decided that the serpent was wiser than God. And in essence, that they could be wiser than God. And they transgressed and sin ripped that sense of peace out of the world in a heartbeat. I mean, just as soon as they had sinned, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they went and hid themselves from the presence of God. I believe that, that uh, when they'd heard that voice in the past, and we don't know how many days they lived in the garden before sin entered the human race, but I believe that when they heard that voice, they ran towards it. They were excited. Uh, much as when I, uh, I hear the door open downstairs and Rob steps in, um, and uh, the, the kids are all excited that daddy's home, and they come running to him, and they call out his name. It was, that was the relationship that Adam and Eve had, but not, not on that day. Not on that day. They were afraid of God. They'd never been afraid of him before. They knew they'd failed God. They knew that they were in trouble with God, and so they hid themselves. They had tried to cover up their sins, and they knew that wasn't going to work. And peace had been shattered. Peace had been torn asunder. And ever since that day, this world has been missing that kind of peace that was there in the beginning. We live in a world of chaos, do we not? A chaos that seems to only increase as time goes on. I grew up in a day and age where when we left the house, we didn't bother to lock the doors. You didn't worry about that. I grew up in a day and age where it was understood that, that the church doors were never locked because nobody bothered a church. Those days are gone those days are gone. We have security cameras all around the outside and we have uh, different types of locks and all that kind of stuff. Why? We just live in a world of chaos. We live in a world of corruption. 
And as believers in this world, we are caught up sometimes in, in all of this hatred and anger and fear and frustration that is just swirling around us. So many things are uncertain that a generation ago we just took for granted that would always be that way. And uh, we, we, we just live in that. And yet if we study our Bibles, we find out that even though man's sin tore away his peace in the Garden of Eden, God, who one of the titles for the Son of God is the Prince of Peace, has promised that as believers, we can still know that peace in our hearts no matter what's going on around us. Peace has been defined as an awareness of the power and presence and purpose of God in our life. Peace is that assurance that only God can give that says everything's all right in my father's house, that God is good, that God is in control, that God loves you, and that God will never ever cease to be any of those things, the peace of God. In our text this morning, we read the words of a song. These verses are meant to be sung. A lot of our Bible, by the way, was meant to be sung. That's why it says, in that day, verse 1, shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We're just going to go right down to verse number 3. Notice the promise of God here. Thou would keep him in what? Perfect peace. That means it never fails. It has no flaws. It never falls short. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. That means fastened, focused intently on thee because he trusteth in thee. Isn't that an amazing promise? Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Keeping your place here, can I have you go to Philippians chapter 4? familiar portion of scripture Philippians chapter 4 verse number 4 Philippians chapter 4 verse number 4 the Bible says Re rejoice in the Lord sometimes and again I say rejoice no I, I, I misquoted didn't I rejoice in the Lord always you understand that means there's never time that I'm not supposed to rejoice in the Lord it doesn't say only rejoice in the Lord during the good days and on the good times. When you have the new baby, when you have the answer prayer, when things worked out well, when, when uh, you got a new car, when you got a raise, when the weather's nice, when your health's good. By the way, you ought to rejoice in all of those things. Amen? Sometimes God blesses us and we don't even stop to say thank you to the Lord who did that. Uh, we're like the, the nine lepers who were healed who just went on our merry way and didn't return to say thanks. I'm supposed to rejoice in the Lord in the good times and for the good things, but it says rejoice in the Lord always. Um, I ask the question almost every service now, and I probably will keep doing that. How many of you have something in your life right now and you, you need somebody to pray for you? There are some that almost roll their eyes at the question, think it's, it's not important, but there are others that understand, I need somebody to pray for me. And, and uh, many times, especially in our Sunday school class, uh, every hand goes up. Uh, I think a week or so ago, I changed and said, how many of you don't have anything that you need prayed for? And nobody raised their hand. We've all, all got something going on, something that we wish wasn't there. 
That's why we want prayer. I, I wish I didn't have to do this right now. At 11.40 last night, it hurt so bad, I almost had him take me to the hospital just to go get some help, but just chose to wait it out. I wish this wasn't there, but guess what? I'm supposed to rejoice in the Lord always. You know, I still got a good God, even right at this very moment. And that God loves me. That God sees what, what's going on. He knows what I feel. He knows why, even though the doctors have no idea why. And God continues to be good to me. God's answering prayers. Uh, God answered prayers this morning, even though I'm going like this right now. See, God's always good, so I always have a reason to rejoice. Always. We've never changed our circumstance by whining. You've never fixed a problem by complaining. It, it never makes you feel better, and it never makes anybody else feel better. How many of you have ever thrown a pity party? I quit because people stopped showing up. I was the only one there. Um, the, the Bible doesn't say whine about everything. He doesn't say complain about everything. All he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, he emphasizes it. Don't miss it because we do. And again, I say rejoice. Why is it that complaining comes so natural and praising is work? Um, as I get more in tune with the Holy Spirit, praise ought to be the first thing out of my mouth. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. For us to walk around and act like the unbelievers do in their despair and their anger and their frustration, I am denying the presence of God. I am denying the truth. The Lord is at hand. And that's not just talking about, I believe, his imminent return. It's talking about right now, the Lord is at hand. If you are saved, you can came claim the promise. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is where? In you. The, the, I mean, how much closer at hand can the Lord be than in me? The Lord is at hand. He says, be careful for nothing. My, how I disobey this verse. Be careful. The word means full of care. Be stressed out. But do you ever stress over things? Come on, we're having a moment. Okay, if your hand's not up, you're lying through your teeth. You know you do. It's, it's, it's human nature. But God says, be careful for what? Nothing. nothing. The, the word nothing comes from a Greek word that means nothing. There's nothing that happens to me that I'm supposed to be torn apart and stressed out so bad that I can't function, that I can't praise, that my faith is gone. You understand that in the first two chapters of Job, when we are introduced to the greatest Christian of his day, and I know they didn't use that term then, but that's what he was. The Bible says there was none like him in all the earth. Uh, he was a man that feared God and eschewed evil. God called him a perfect man. Didn't mean sinless, means spiritually mature. He was the godliest man of his generation. And yet in two chapters, everything that he had was stripped from him. His wealth was gone, and he, he had no hopes of reclaiming it. His servants, all but two or three, had died in the process. Now he had servants 
whom he could not pay, whom he could not care for. All ten of his children perished, and they were gone, and they weren't coming back. In the second chapter, his health is gone. He had boils from the crown of his head to the sole of his foot. He is sitting out in the garbage dump, scraping those terrible oozing sores with broken pieces of pottery. The Bible tells us later in the book of Job that his skin had literally turned black. He was disfigured when his so-called friends showed up to commiserate with him. The Bible says they sat down and for seven days they just couldn't find the words to say. Every time they wanted to say something, they just looked at him and they, they saw his tears and heard his groans and, and, and smelled the stench and all of that and their words just, just didn't seem to be right. And by the way, they would have been so much wiser just to shut up and never say a thing. But that's how bad his situation was, yet in all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly in his heart. You see... God can do something in our hearts and lives that we don't have to fall prey to the chaos and the confusion and the disquiet that controls our world. Our media today is focused on in, in just instilling fear in us. You know, the, the North Pole is going to melt, all the polar bears are going to drown, and then we're going to drown after them type thing. By the way, since Al Gore made the predictions, you know the polar bear population has doubled. And I'm not sure about you, but after this last couple of days, I'm not a real believer in global warming. But it's all about fear. COVID was all about fear. And, it just, it, it, and it, it's just a constant diet of fear. And that's what the world tries to pump into us. God is exactly the opposite of that. God, in fact, Paul wrote it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. That's, that's what God wants to give. Again, we're in Philippians 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. So I'm not supposed to be stressed and frustrated and angry and, and all that stuff about anything. But what I'm supposed to do is take everything and by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. That's not just everything that stresses me. That's everything, period. I'm supposed to just take it all to God. Take it all to God. Somebody commented once when they saw our church prayer list that we post online most every Wednesday before the evening service. That's such a big prayer list. There's so many things on there. How will I ever get through that? I think that's kind of the point. Do you realize if we started obeying this verse in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Do you realize how much time we'd be spending talking to God? Think about it. If we're praying about everything, how much time we'd be spent talking to God? And you realize, Brother Rob, if I'm so busy talking to God, I don't have time to talk to you about other people. I don't, I don't have time to worry because I'm talking to God who, who has the answers for everything. I don't have time to be mad. I'm talking to a God who is love, who, who is peace. Uh, if we just obey the scriptures. Now notice there's a promise that's attached 
to these verses. If I rejoice in the Lord always, again I say it, uh, rejoice. If I live as if I, I understand the Lord is at hand. If I'm careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, I'm letting my request known unto God. Look at the promise attached to that. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Can I submit something to you? Peace is a byproduct. I think it's okay to pray for peace. Uh, we're commanded to pray for the peace of Jerusalem in the, in the book of Psalms. I, I don't think there's anything wrong uh, for me to pray, Lord, would, would you just give me peace in my heart? Uh, I often pray with other people going through a trial that God would give them peace. But the reality is peace is the result of something else. Uh, we read in Isaiah chapter 26 that the, the first few verses of that marvelous song. By the way, I have verse 3 uh, not only committed to memory, but uh, I have a tune to it. But I love you too much to try to sing it and ruin your day. You just have to come up with your own melody for it. Uh, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Uh, the peace is the byproduct. I, I'm, I'm doing something here. My mind is focused on the Lord. You're not going to have you're not going to have any peace watching CNN, the Communist News Network, or MSNBC, or you're not going to get much from Fox News. Sean Hannity drives me to distraction. I need a volume after listening to about five minutes of him. Uh, you know, he goes off rattling all these lists. He, he'll bring guest hosts on, and he does all the talking and just says, do you agree with that? They try to say yes, and he starts, he drives me nuts. I'm not getting any peace from that. The Bible says, but if my mind is focused on the Lord, I, I've got his word before my eyes at all time. I'm focused. I look out and see his creation and see the power. The heavens declare the glory of God. I woke up this morning just as it was leaving the house, just as the sun was peeking up above the horizon on the east. And, and I saw it there. And, and uh, the, the, the sky is changing from dark to light and the colors are starting to come. And I saw the power of almighty God. Do you know when I'm focused on God and who he is and what he says and what he's done and what he's promise. I, I don't have time for worry. I don't have time for frustration. I don't have time for anger and all of that. God gave a promise. If our minds are focused on him, stayed on him, thou will keep him in perfect peace. Peace is a byproduct. Even in Philippians chapter 4, the verses that we just read, the peace of God which passeth all understanding, uh, it doesn't just happen. It happens when we, number one, rejoice in the Lord always. We live as if the Lord is at hand, and other people know that and see that in our lives, and we're praying about everything. When we're doing all of that, God brings peace in our lives. Uh, you're still in Philippians chapter 4, I hope. Look down to verse number 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Ron Hamilton wrote the song, Do Right Till the Stars Fall. He, Paul just says, look, everything I've taught you, that which you've learned, you've received it, you've heard it, you, you, you've seen it in, in me, now do it. James said, what good is it if you're a hearer of the word and not, and not a doer? You're like somebody looking, I'm paraphrasing, looking into the mirror, seeing everything that's messed up, but you do nothing about it. 
you don't comb the hair, you don't, you don't brush the scum off your teeth, you, you, you don't pop the zit, you don't take care of all that kind of stuff. You just look and then you walk away. You're a hearer but not a doer. The Bible says uh, that's just not the way we're supposed to be. He said, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, that's this book right here. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. That idea of continue with means not just that you read it all the time, but you dwell there. It, it is the guide of your life. You continually put it into practice in your life. Continue with there. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man should be blessed in his deed. You and I cannot go out and live and do our own thing and expect the peace of God to keep our hearts and minds. It's not going to happen. The Bible says, there is no peace, saith my God, unto the wicked. I can't sin against God and expect him to give me peace. I can't ignore the teaching of God's word and, and, and justify whatever I'm doing and expect to have that perfect peace, that peace that passeth understanding, that keeps me, that keeps me solid and secure, uh, that keeps me like a Job who's lost it all, but says the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, Blessed be the name of the Lord. I can't have that kind of peace doing my own thing. You, you, we, we talked Wednesday night about the church at Thessalonica uh, that said they believed the Bible, and we had the church at Berea that said they believed the Bible, but the difference was in Thessalonica they said, I know the Bible says but. I just don't see it that way. Bobbleheads. I just don't see it that way. I know the Bible says but... I think I'm justified. The Bereans, where I know the Bible says, so that's what I do. We're, we're one or the other. You can't be, I know the Bible says, but, and expect to have the peace of God. It does not happen. He said, those things which you've, you've heard and learned and received and seen in me, gave one word, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. And if the God of peace is with you. You've got that peace that passeth understanding. Peace is a byproduct. I'm not saying, saying we ought not pray for peace to come and, 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 and do the other things to our heart, but we need to make sure that everything else is in place. Am I focused? Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. A lot of voices clamoring for our attention in our world today, aren't there? A lot of them. Uh, who are you listening to? Are you listening to the voice of God? Because he's always talking. Are you even taking the time to listen? Um, I, I, one of these guys, I think, preached a sermon one time. We had somebody that came in and, and you know, uh, had all kinds of devices. We've got our, our phones. We've got our tablets. We've got our laptops. We've got our desktops. We've got our televisions. Uh, we, we've got all kinds of things. And, and they're all broadcasting all kinds of information to us 24-7. We are an information overload. You're not going to get the peace of God that way. You're going to get the peace of God when you learn to shut that stuff off and get your mind focused on Almighty God. And he's not talking about you come up with some imagination of God. You, you learn who God is through his word. You learn who God is through the preaching of his word. You learn who God is through time spent at the, at the, the foot of God in prayer. That's where you learn it. Remember Martha and Mary in the Gospel of Luke, I believe, chapter 10? Jesus came to their house to dine. What a great opportunity. Could you imagine 
If Jesus decided to physically visit our services today, I guarantee you I wouldn't be preaching. I guarantee you I'd be sitting down there. Uh, I, there's no way I'd want to do that. And I would just be looking at you three as you sang and think, you're singing and Jesus is here. I bet you're nervous. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing for, I mean, physically to walk in? What an honor, what an opportunity. And yet in that house, there were two sisters. And they, they, they both loved Jesus and they both knew Jesus loved them. Uh, Mary was sitting there at the feet of Jesus, hanging on to every word, enjoying every moment, her heart overwhelmed that the Son of God sitting in my, in my home. I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm hearing his voice. Countless generations of people look forward to what I see with my own eyes. What a blessed lady I am to have Jesus in my home. And the other lady is running around like the proverbial chicken with her head cut off. I can't believe Jesus is in my house and I've got I to gotta make dinner. I've got to get the soup on. i got to get salad ready. And my sister, she's just as lazy as the day is long sitting in there and nobody's helping me. And she's just frantic running all over the place. She gets so mad, she comes in and tells God off. You've never done that. Lord, don't you care that my sister hath left me alone to serve? She's, I mean, she's just, you see, when, when you're out of sorts with God, you'll get out of sorts with everybody, including God. Because perfect peace, it, it, it just rips apart our enjoyment of his presence. Or, I'm sorry, the lack of perfect peace. When we lose that, it rips apart our awareness of his presence. Martha lost that, and the Savior just looked at her very kindly, very lovingly. He said, Martha, Martha. Anybody know why he said her name twice? Because she probably didn't hear him the first time because she's still talking. Martha. Martha. Thou art troubled about many things. It wasn't just that. Everything in life sent Martha into a tizzy. Thou art troubled about many things. Mary, your sister, she hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken from her. In other words, the Savior saying, I'm glad you're so busy making dinner for me, but I really wish you'd just sit down and talk to me. Spend some time with me. This message and this part of the message is very necessary for people that are very busy in the work of God. It's time-consuming. Don't raise your hand, but I wonder how many in this room, you're at, a, you're at a place in life you just feel like you're getting pulled in a thousand directions at one time. If you're a parent, you know that's true. If you're a caregiver, you know that's true. If you're serving the Lord in some type of ministry, you know that that is true. And we can get easily cumbered about much serving. And yes, the Lord has called us to serve. God has not called any of us to be spectators, but God has not called us to serve in the absence of fellowship. God would rather have me just stop and sit at his feet and just enjoy that presence of God and grow in that presence of God and understand the awe and the majesty and the love and the wonder that he is my God and then get up, then get up and go finish dinner. Mary chose the best part. You see, we got to be careful even doing good things that we just 
are, are scattered in so many directions that we're missing the one we should be focused on. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. If I'm going to have the peace of God, I'm going to have to obey the commandment, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Two weeks ago today, I was in the uh, uh, observation unit at Hartford Hospital. I had gone in Friday night uh, to a hospital in Southington, and they were going to transfer me to New Britain. When the ambulance arrived, they said, oh, no, we're not going to New Britain. We're going to Hartford. Don't take this wrong. I didn't like Hartford. I'd had a couple bad experiences at that hospital in the last few months. I had said, I'll never go back. Don't ever say never. God has a way of hearing that. I said I would never pastor a church. I would never start a church. I'd never go back to my home area. And God said, want to bet? He didn't say bad. He said wager. Um, and, and that's what. So now my, my new thing is, is I'll, I'll never own a Bentley. I'll never be a millionaire. And God's not buying that. He's not doing that. But I wasn't, I wasn't at all happy the fact that I was going to go to Hartford. I, I wasn't at all. And, and my first instinct, I, I don't want to go to that place. I, I kept to, to myself. Uh, the, the, the two men in, in the ambulance were amazing. They were very attentive. The, the doctor and nurses where I was had been amazing with me. Uh, so I just, I kind of kept my discontent to myself. And I, I, I was just, it was there. It, it's my first nature. So when I preach about this, I'm not preaching down to anybody. Mostly I'm preaching to myself and you're just listening into the conversation. Uh, I wasn't at all happy about it because one time I went there and I was 25 hours sitting in the hallway in the emergency room before they could get me a bed. The next time it was 12 hours and I never, I never even knew who my nurse was. I never got the slightest bit of, of medication or anything like that uh, and so forth. And, and in my mind, that's exactly what's going to happen. It's, it's going to all be there. And they brought me in and a nurse came out and said, I'm going to take you back. We're going to do an EKG. And I said, I can do those myself. I've had so many. I know exactly. In fact, all the leads were still there. Just give me the wires. I can hook them up and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm, I'm still on the inside. I know what I know what happens next. They're going to just put me in some hallway somewhere, and I'm going to stay there until uh, the doctor gets off his 12-hour his coffee break or whatever it's going to be. And, you know, we get very cynical and very caustic when we're like that, don't we? Uh, to my amazement, they took me into one of the nicest rooms in the ER that I've ever been in. And I had the best nurse that I've had in my entire life going back you know, a decade and a half with health issues. I had the best nurse, a, a young man. He was absolutely incredible. The doctors were incredible. They moved me into this observation unit where there are 19 rooms there, uh, absolute private rooms, absolutely beautiful. Each nurse only takes care of four people. I had all this undivided attention coming my way. And my first nurse that night in the hospital said, you know, it's really strange. This is the first time in months that this emergency room has not been overwhelmed. This is the first night that every bed in, the, in every room is filled and every space in the hallway has a bed with somebody in it. Um, most of the rooms were empty, said this is the first time. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, so you want to complain anymore? You want to gripe anymore? 
And boy, that was a humbling moment. But sometimes we need those humbling moments, don't we? You say, would rejoicing have changed it? No, it wouldn't have changed my circumstance, but it would have changed me. It would have changed me. It would, it would have changed my peace. It would have changed my sense of happiness. And it would have changed my testimony. Because you see, when there's a believer that has that kind of peace, it, it, it shines like a light in the dark. And other people see that. They want what you've got. They want what you've got, but when you've got what everybody else has, nobody wants that. That will keep him in perfect peace. I need to have my mind focused on him. By the way, I'm not even getting near my message today. I'm not even through the introduction. I have to have my mind stayed on him. That will keep him in perfect peace. By the way, that's a promise of God, and how many promises does God break? Absolutely none. So if I don't have peace, it's because my mind has strayed in its focus. I'm looking at my problems. I'm looking at people. I'm, I'm looking at everything else in the world except God. Because God said if I'm focused on him, he'll keep me, secure me, ground me in perfect peace. Number two, I need to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And I need to get over this natural habit that I have of complaining first and start praising first. Remembering that on my worst day, God has still been better to me than I will ever deserve. On my worst day, I'm still going to heaven. Dr. John R. Rice was an evangelist. I got to hear him preach in his latter years when I was in Bible college. He was one of the last of the great city-wide evangelists when he would come into a city. Churches of like faith would band together, and they would, they would rent out uh, uh, facilities that could hold tens of thousands of people and, and, and so forth. Again, I met him. Uh, I, I've talked to, I talked to him one-on-one -on -one several times before he went to heaven, heard him preach a number of times. But Dr. Rice was saying that when he was in Texas one time, he stepped into an elevator after a service, and he was by himself, and just before the doors closed, somebody else walked into the elevator, and whoever it was pulled a gun on him and said, give me your wallet, give me your watch, and all of that. And Brother Rice just looked at him and, and laughed and said, you can't scare me with heaven. I mean, just and that's not what the dude was expecting to hear you say what happened believe it or not the guy got saved um what's our first response i see i'm going to heaven doesn't matter what happens to me doesn't matter what the stock market's like i'm still going to heaven by the way i'm sure glad i don't have any money in the stock market i don't really care what it does it ain't gonna affect me at all uh it, the weather's cold he had to worry he had to worry because it was too cold for his little snakes how many how many here care about that about four, you got about four people that, that really care. I have no snakes. I didn't really care about it. My window was open. I slept Friday night with my window open. Yes, I do have stock in the oil company because I'm heating the outside. No, no, my point is, my point is, I need to learn to praise the Lord better than I do. I can't expect the peace of God when I'm complaining all the time, and neither can you. And can I, can I add this in there? Do you ever th stop to think that your complaining might be ruining somebody else's peace? Because they might just be struggling to hang on. 
They might be going through deep waters you know nothing about, and here you come strong. Biden, it's the weather. And and there there we are. We're just letting it go. And here's somebody that's hanging on by a thread, and maybe, maybe you're just going to snap that thread. Do Do you ever think about that? I get blessed when people share testimonies and praise. I got blessed last night when I just happened to look at Facebook for a minute and there was Vicki Edwards' post on there, Bill's been moved out of ICU in a step-down unit, and it was, it was a blessing, it was a praise. By the way, when she did that, I was doing this, and it hurt so bad. But I had something to praise the Lord about. I had something to be thankful for. I'm sure glad she shared that rather than some criticism and complaint. Ah, those stupid nurses. Ah, the, the stupid heart. That ain't going to help. So I need to have my mind focused on him. He says, I'll keep you in perfect peace. I need to rejoice in the Lord always. I need to pray about everything. Pray about everything. Everything that stresses me, everything, every need I've got, my daily bread. Uh, I need to pray just about everything. And, You see, that prayer puts me in the very presence of God. And when I'm in his presence and I'm doing that, he he made a promise. I'll give you a peace that passes all understanding. Mary had it. She had it. She She had no clue what it was like to be Martha. Because she was in the presence of her Savior soaking in every moment she hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken from her there she is at the same time Martha knew nothing about Mary's peace because Jesus was close at hand but she was acting like he wasn't she was so busy in the service of the Lord she forgot about the Lord she was serving prayer brings me into the presence of God and that presence just fills me with the peace of God. And those things which you have both learned and heard and received and seen in me, Paul said, do. You can ignore my message today. You can be Thessalonican all you want. I know that's what the Bible says, but fine. That's your choice. That's your choice. Go live on the mount where the Grinch used to live. His cave is empty. It's all yours. Find you a dog, tie some antlers to his head, and have at it. That is your choice. But I, I believe the Bible, God has a better way. God wants this guy to live in a peace that can't be explained so that I get to explain it to people who need to know about it. I'm going to do a powerlifting competition in a month and a half or so. Tim works out at a different gym than I do. And he told me recently that everybody at that gym is so excited about me being there that day. They can't wait to see me. They can't wait. I mean, look. (laughs) They can't wait to see me. They can't wait to meet me. Um, I'll be the only, you know, amputee doing that kind of thing. Um, There's something different about it. When we decide to live on the victory side of things, rather than live on the world side. So here's the question today. Are you Mary? Or are you Martha? He didn't say she was a bad lady. 
He didn't say, quit your drinking and carousing. He didn't say that. He said, you're serving and that's fine, but it's worn you out. You are, you are troubled about many things. Why don't you come sit at my feet? And I can take all that away. I can take all the, that away. I have, to, I have to testify. I relate to Martha naturally more than I do Mary. So I have to, on purpose, just come sit at his feet. Saying, Lord, I'm troubled about many things. Lord, I'm tired. I'm tired of this. I've got this to deal with. I've got that to deal with. I just need to come back and spend some time with you. And I just need to pray about it. I need to say, you know, Lord, I'm sorry I've been fussing about this so much and I forgot about these blessings you brought into my life, even some as a result of this. I talked to Nick Bender last night, been in the hospital for over three weeks, hasn't stood on his own feet in all that time, hoping maybe in a week he can go home. He's been in all kinds of pain. We were talking last night for about an hour. Yeah, I got to win one of my nurses to the Lord. Yeah, I got to talk to another one of my caregivers and we got to pray together. Yeah, I found out a couple, a couple of them were saved. A couple of them went to good churches that know the church that I go to and so forth. And here's a young man in some ways fighting for his life, finding a way to just radiate the love of God. He said, I've got all kinds of tracks and my wife's bringing some more in for me along with a burrito. He did put the burrito part in there so he can pass them out. See, there's, there's a Christian that's going to make a difference. So what is it? Mary or Martha? Which one of you? Can we bow our heads for prayer?